When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Beasley switching in! The U.S. go up! What a goal from Carlos Bocanegra! Boy, it'll try a long hit! What a goal from Lloyd! This is spectacular! It's hit with no regard for humanity! Is this the moment for Shakiri? Yes, it is! Switzerland! And Shakiri has scored in the 90th minute! That was worth the price of admission alone! This is Soccer Matters, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlaw.com. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Glenn Davis. All right, welcome in, everybody, to Soccer Matters on the Horn in Austin, Texas. The ball don't lie. Always presented by the Daspit Law Firm, John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, personal injury attorneys, daspitlaw.com. 512 call now. They are bilingual, 512 call now we thank them for uh, getting us on the air each and every week okay so mexico rolled over honduras it is a beautiful day for el tree uh, after get getting dismantled by the u.s in the nations league uh, to get that 4-0 victory i think there's a bit of a sigh of relief and uh, the debut of interim manager jaime lozano the former mexican under 23 coach he also coached at nicoxa if you know him had a long playing career um you know, an interesting sideline to that is that he had been interviewed in Houston for the head coaching job, now held by, by Ben Olsen. We're going to get into the big story, though, the Verde performance now. It is smooth. It is, it is running a little bit better now. It's that passing and movement. It's uh, that, that uh, volume of crosses coming in. Uh, it is a much more uh, cohesive unit here in the last two games against FC Dallas and the Houston Dynamo, um, really owned the Dynamo in all facets of the game. I don't think there's any any question. Jack Farrell producing tonight. We have some sound from Josh Wolf uh, as well. But just back to Mexico, that game uh, in Houston, 66,000 people turned out. Doubleheader included Haiti and Cutter. Uh, 2-1 to one win for Haiti. By the way, I had a lot of friends who were, were down on the field and you know they're covering the game. They said the first game was an excellent game, the 2-1 to one Haiti win over Cutter. Um, Cutter, yeah, I think we know how they got into the Gold Cup. Um, very entertaining opening act, though. That's, that's what I heard to the Mexico-Honduras game. Now, Honduras was captained by the former MLS player Albert Elise. Uh, Honduras is in shambles. They are so hit and miss. Um, and these matches in the Gold Cup always elicit quick judgment. Uh, and that was just it. It was one match against uh, uh, subpar Honduras. Mexico did what one would expect or maybe not expect. This was not the Honduras of old with Albert Olis and Ramel Kyoto and Minor Figueroa. That said, the performance was bright. Here's what uh, uh, Lozano had to say, the interim coach. He said, quote, today we had a magical scenario. I think the team from the opening whistle was convinced in what we wanted to do, and that's what we were looking for most, said Lozano. We wanted to create chances, which always get you closer to winning games. It's a very important first step and a solid one, but not anything more than that. So uh, that is a level-headed uh, start 
for Jimmy Lozano. Okay, so that was that. Now, the U.S. drew 1-1 with Jamaica, very differing lineup than the Nations League success. Matt Turner, DeAndre Yedlin, Matt Miazga, Aaron Long, John Tolkien, Aiden Morris, James Sands, Alan Senora, Alex Zendejas, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris. Uh, subs, Cade Cowell, Christian Roldan, Jordi Mihailovic, Brandon Vasquez, who had the tying goal, Jalen Neal, uh, a young and rising guy. So if we look in the context of the Gold Cup and the Nations League success, we look at a scenario that much was like what Mexico used to do. Mexico used to roll out B teams in tournaments where we were rolling out A teams. And now it's in an interesting way. It has been uh, kind of flipped. Luis Romo inside a minute and 2-0. Uh, Luis Romo again, the header. I mean, uh, Honduras, their movement as a group uh, kept Romo on side on the second one. Orbelin Pineda then drove to the top of the box. Nobody, nobody confronts him. Nobody gets out to him. Nobody makes a stand, hits a right-footed shot. Um, and it looked like Honduras was scared. And then Chavez in the 64th, um, Honduras positionally all over the place. All right, so let's get to what was a pretty scintillating win for Austin FC. 22nd minute, Ethan Finley. 32nd minute, Jazzy Zardes. 50th minute, uh, Julio Cascante. Okay, let's go to Josh Wolf on the win uh, for Austin FC over the Houston Dynamo. And again, much appreciation to the fans. It's, um, you know, I think this week was a big week. It was Copa Tejas times two um, against two good opponents and there are no easy games in this league but um you know the run was validated with a very strong performance again tonight i thought the guys um performed extremely well two shutout wins at home um against your in-state rivalries i think um you know certainly answers some questions that that we've received the last few weeks but um we saw a strong performance from from a number of guys from a number of guys and um you know really pleased with the contributions i think we've seen this coming for a while the the goals haven't been there to help validate some of the work but set pieces we continue to be beast um and again the the validation comes through through the actual taking those chances and um, run a play. I thought the tempo was slow. I think you had two teams that obviously could feel the 100-plus heat over the last two games. But, um, you know, as the game went on, I think we, we had quite quite good control of the game, but both and um, really pleased to grab six points and, and, again, keep moving up the standings and getting shutouts at home. All right, let's not forget um, that we have talked a lot on this show about why it's been a staggering, differing type of season for Austin FC. And, we can go into everything. We can go into injuries. Um, we can go into the poor start to the season. We can go into players maybe not coming in fit in the case of Diego Fagundes. Now, Fagundes has had two very good games. You see his effect on others, including Ferreira, um, which was so evident last year. So here's uh, – this is soundbite, I think, number three. Uh, here's Josh Wolf on Diego Fagundes do for you yeah i think that when we talk about the spine of the team that's it having a, a healthy goalie uh, center backs that are healthy you know i thought rado you know made a couple huge plays a couple huge blocks um you know but julio being healthy in there he's kind of a you know a warm blanket of sorts he's good with his feet he makes good decisions he's good at defending the box and he's extremely good on set pieces attacking so um having pepe and owen in there again i think it gives us a lot of flexibility youth energy combativeness um, consistency and understanding of how we're trying to attack and defend. And Seba, 
um, Seb and Diego have qualities in and around goal that, that set them apart from the group. And, you know, for Diego, it's about getting fit and having a hunger and, and certainly, um, you know, taking his moments as well. And I think the last two games are a little more indicative of what, of what Diego can be like. So that was Josh Wolf on Diego Fagundes there. And uh, we, we saw the season he had last year. I mean, for me, it was his best ever season in Major League Soccer. Such a vital component of the team. Obviously, all the issues at the center back position, that's going to be a problem again uh, with Radovanovic uh, uh, heading out after his loan deal. Um, speaking of uh, defenders, Sky Germany reporting that Jasko Vardiol of RB Leipzig has agreed to terms with Man City. That's the Croatian, if you remember, had the mask. Now, he might have been out of the price range of Austin FC and Major League Soccer. Uh, 94, not million, 94, uh, million pound, 94 million pounds. He was originally valued at 75, and Man City beat Liverpool to that. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see in the transfer window uh, what happens with the center back position. You saw that uh, Kip Keller was eased back into it uh, in the game. So uh, that's one to keep an eye on, I think. But look, I, I think Austin FC, every facet of the game was a better team. There's no question against the Houston Dynamo. I think they, their control of the game was, was, was pretty evident apart from a few moments. Um, I think the midfield was won by Austin FC. I think you saw another vintage performance from Sebastian Driussi uh, leading the way. Obviously, two games in a row that uh, no goals are conceded. You've got that energy of Cascante back, uh, his set-piece ability, his ability to distribute. Uh, Danny Pereira, the same thing. you got the, the ethic of Owen Wolf, And you got Ethan Finley now, who's uh, really uh, won the job for the moment over Emiliano Rigoni. And it's a striker position that you're hoping that Jazzy Zardes is now uh, finding his way. I think he's got five now. Uh, Maxi Arruti, I think, is, you know, is definitely a second striker. I don't think there's any question about that right now, if you can continue to keep Fagundes moving forward here at the halfway point of the season. But I think the lesson learned here for everyone uh, that we always know in Major League Soccer, and this has been criticized by Gareth, Bell because, Gareth Bale because of the way the league is set up, you are, you are allowed a lot of time to, to get it right. Um, if this was a team in the Premier League with this amount of injuries and struggles at the beginning of the year, you, you know, you're, you're done. You're, you know, you're, you're fighting for survival, uh, probably not the top four places in the league if this happens to one of the top Premier League clubs. So it's just different uh, in a very, very big way. But teams morph into differing things in these thirds of the season. You know, you have that starting point, then you have teams that are going to change based on uh, player acquisitions in the transfer market, and then you're going to be in the home stretch before you know it. And then it's all about rhythm, confidence, runs. Uh, and as I've heard Josh Wolf say, as I've heard Ben Olsen say, as I've heard every coach in Major League Soccer say, you win three games in a row, all of a sudden you're in a different place. So now you're in the playoffs. Now, for all of those who are wanting Josh Wolf out. Um, you just can't say Wolf out. You have to you have to have some sort of reason why you say that. Um, can't not say that this isn't a coach that has not had a number of challenges this year with 
with players and injury and everything that's going on. Very, very poor start in the CONCACAF Champions League. That was a disappointment. I, I think he'd be the first to tell you, Josh. But uh, that's where you're at. All right. And right now, two wins in a row against your in-state rivals. It's a good feeling. DaspitLaw.com, our presenting sponsors, 512-CALL-NOW, 512-CALL-NOW. John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, personal injury attorneys. They're going to handle your case. They're going to work for you 24-7 nights and weekends. John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. By the way, MLS Apple's subscription threshold numbers to share revenue at subscription. So they've, uh, they've hit that kind of threshold where they will now get a part of the revenue. Messi's going to kind of play into this as well. And this is according to the Seattle Times. It's hard to get numbers out of people, but this seems to be a pretty hopeful situation here for Apple and Major League Soccer. All right, we'll break. We got more to come. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know it's a good show when uh, you've got Led Zeppelin for break music. Uh, we thank Jack Farrell for that. That always gets me, uh, you know, I love Zeppelin. But I love the music scene in Austin as well. A lot of good bands up there. Great venues. Antons. On and on we go. Ethan Finley, Jazzy's artist, Julio Cascante, Brad Stuver getting uh, another shutout. Two in a row for him. You know he's feeling good about that. This is Confident Building. Finley in the 22nd's artist, the 32nd. And Cascante in the 50th. If uh, you are a Verde fan, 512-447-3776 to call in. 512-447-3776 is a number to call in. Would love to get your take on the game, who maybe your top men in this game were. Uh, I think there's a couple of very obvious choices. And maybe some of your observations from the game uh, as well and where you see it projecting out right now. I mean, I think the... Center back position uh, will continue to be one that you got to put a circle around. Uh, good to see Cascante healthy again. Um, but Triussi's involvement in this game, he's beginning to look like the guy that last year, to me, was the best playmaker in all of Major League Soccer. I, I, don't, I don't think anybody um, can, can deny that. All right, uh, Victor Ariza joining us uh, from the Striker magazine. And, uh, Victor, thank you very much for coming on here for a few minutes. Yeah, anytime, Glenn. All right, so quickly, you know, you were at the game yesterday, 66,000 people in Houston. World Cup is coming here 2026. Uh, you know, preliminary game, which a lot of people said was a good game between uh, Cutter and Haiti. But just uh, give us a bit of the flavor of the day out there. I mean, it, it looked a lot like uh, a Mexico visit uh, to the state of Texas. Yeah, uh, probably maybe like an 80-20 split, something like that. Uh, and, you know, I think... Uh, you will know that uh, some a lot of those tickets were sold before the Nations League. So I don't know uh, how much uh, goes into you know what people have said, and maybe they might have protested uh, the fans. Uh, obviously, there was a coaching change from Mexico, and that uh, brought a lot of of new hope. Obviously, uh, a former 
a player from the national team in Jaime Lozano, and uh, well, they got off rolling for nothing over over Honduras, and with always a lively rivalry. Now, um, yeah, this was they jumped on them very early in this game. This was a very um, out of flux uh, Honduras, a very hit and miss Honduras. But listen, that really didn't matter. Mexico did what it needed to do, winning convincing style, score goals, sixty six thousand people, everybody goes home happy. Now, do you see them as the favorites in the Gold Cup now with the U.S. You know, playing essentially uh, a second team, and I say that respectfully. Yeah, I, I think so because uh, Mexico is bringing over essentially the same roster they took to the Nations League finals. Uh, they had, I believe, two changes for for injury reasons, uh, but essentially the, the the same squad. That Lozano has about the same number, I think, eleven players that he had in the Olympic roster. So he has a good base there, and and obviously, uh, you know, some of the players that feature over in Europe, like Edson Alvarez, so uh, Memochoa as well. Um, I, I think so. I think for, for the history that Mexico has and also for uh, the taste of, of, of taking away that Nations League defeat, right, and, and kind of being or retaking the giant of CONCACAF moniker, uh, yeah, I do think they're, they're the favorites. Yeah, so what gets you the king of CONCACAF monitor? I'm kind of laughing about this because that's what we heard after the <laughs> Nations League win from the U.S., but I used to think it was always the Gold Cup. So I guess we have so many competitions now. Uh, Uranus is king of CONCACAF can only last until the end of the Gold Cup, I guess, unless you win it again. No, I think I think it's whoever wins last, right? And, and depending on what, what the bragging rights you get, look, Mexico can brag right now about having the most Gold Cups. If they win another one, they'd extend that. That lead uh, over the U.S. If the U.S. wins it, you know there's a tie there. But obviously, you know we know with the Nations League, um, I think it's just the moment, right? And obviously, Mexico now with Lozano is uh, a little bit with an up arrow now with uh, next to their name, and I think that that sort of alleviates it a little bit and at least sets it up for the next one, right? Yes, it does. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you down a little bit. One game doesn't do it against Honduras for me. Um, and and the competition is very up and down in the Gold Cup, as we know. I think El Salvador is losing right now to uh, in the World Cup. I mean, uh, sorry, in the Gold Cup. And then later on tonight, we've got uh, Costa Rica, Panama. That's a good one. Um, but but I'm going to just say this: the dismantling in the way the U.S. dismantled Mexico in the Nations League, and the way they played, the quality of their play, um, that that hit the Mexican fan, and that hit the Mexican Federation. I think. Oh, definitely. Um, you, you know, I think Gotha was just starting with the, with this head coaching tenure, right? And it seemed like this was kind of going to be a, a long process. And, and when there was a coaching change made, you know, we talked about maybe some of the stuff going on behind the scenes, but I think to still make that kind of decision, uh, you know, the president of the federation coming out and, and giving a, a resounding statement uh, via video, right, about how it's not accept, acceptable to lose to the U.S. the way they did, uh, to have the reveal video with Lozano um, and, and some of the catchphrases or just some of the statements that he's made about how playing for the fans, uh, you know, the, the pride of the national team. I think the way this all kind of happened this last week uh, just gives you that statement that they they <laughs> got the message a little bit. They they were scared whether it, it was an anomaly or not for the third place game. They weren't really into risk uh, not having a sellout in future games. All right, Victor Ariza joining us uh, from the striker. Uh, okay, so I'm going to just say this about the U.S.-Mexico game. I, I think that's the most dominant performance I've ever seen a U.S. national team over a Mexican national team. We can all 
decide on and condition, you know, the value of playing and beating them in a World Cup as opposed to um, a Nations League. But this was a comprehensive victory. It was done with style. It was done with substance. I don't think any question. And one of the things that I hear a lot from my friends, um, and I've heard this from you even, uh, is that Mexican players are not playing for the shirt in the modern game now. Yeah, I think uh, there's a, there's certainly a lot of that, and I think because of the economic reasons behind the national team, uh, certainly a whole bunch of friendlies in the U.S., the way that, you know, sometimes there's not a lot of times for the sporting side of things, we've heard, you know, about players, you know, going out and, and doing commercials while they're here in the U.S., and uh, well, a lot of that plays into it, right? There was the uh, several incidents, including, you know, Carlos Vela not going to the 2014 World Cup, um, that just kind of, you know, Chicharito trying to bring up the, the fight for, for better, uh, better dividing the pie, right? Uh, for more, more prize money for the players. I, I think a lot of that plays into how the modern player uh, feels about me playing for the national team. Uh, whereas before, you know, maybe a lot of these, th- these things didn't come up in the media and you just saw the players go out there. Um, I think there's different factors, but I think you, you are at least, Last night, right, there was some talks about playing under Lozano, how it is a little bit different. Maybe it is having a Mexican coach, um, and we'll see if that pride starts coming back or if it's just a, a one-off victory here against uh, an inaccessible opponent in, in Honduras, which is what it was last night. I'm going to temper it a little bit, but uh, it's as good a start you could have if you were Jimmy Lozano. I don't think there's any question. And, of course, I mentioned earlier in the show that he had interviewed uh, for the Houston Dynamo. Now, Andre Pierre Gignac has been talking with Tigris, and, um, you know, he's made a lot of different comments about MLS, and, and I think there's a lot of truth to what he says. He says, you know, uh, in, in, in the U.S., it's more marketing than here in Mexico. I think we are less marketing, more soccer. Um, he's talked about the competition being good. How serious do you feel that uh, MLS and Mexican teams are going to take the League's Cup? I think there's always uh, there there is a certain pride because of and I want to say well maybe both both media markets certainly Mexico because there's more soccer coverage right but but maybe both media markets do uh, put some emphasis during whenever it's Liga MX versus MLS uh, so I think that sort of drums it up a little bit in the players feel it um, I don't know that it proves anything right I think the, the ultimate uh, decision maker is the Concacaf Champions Cup you know, formerly called the Champions League, and, and that sort of decides, you know, Mexico has dominated that competition. Um, and I think he's right. You know, when you see um, matches in Mexico, some of the players, some of the plays, some of the tactical uh, battles between coaches, uh, I, I think he's right. And certainly we've talked about how, you know, they both, uh, one league lacks what the other one has, right? Uh, MLS has the marketing that Liga MX wishes it has and the media distribution and, and vice versa. Liga MX has the product on the field that I think um, MLS would like to draw more fans to the stadium. They're both morphing closer and closer together. There's uh, a lot of dollars to be earned in this. I'm hoping from a competitive standpoint, and I think it's going to be, I think these are going to be great games. I think there's going to be some edge in these games. I, I think there's going to be sort of that USA against Mexico feel. That can't be anything but a good thing. Victor, thank you, as always, for coming on the show. Yeah, anytime, Glenn. All right, that's Victor Ariza. Before we head to break here, a couple of things I'll just 
fill you in here. Uh, Tab Ramos is out at Hartford Athletic up uh, on the East Coast in the USL Championship. I mentioned to you about Jasko Vardio, uh, the Croatian defender, the guy who had the mask in the World Cup. He's headed to uh, Manchester City. Christian Pulisic is getting a ton of attention, probably even more so after the performance against Mexico. Uh, Leon has an f- American owner there named John Texter. Uh, so there's uh, interest from Leon. Uh, apparently he's valued at $27.3 million, Christian Pulisic. He's also had interest from places like Napoli, Juventus, and Milan. Um, <laughs> big clubs, uh, no question about it. I mentioned El Salvador was losing to Martinique. Um, that's what I wanted to tell you. Beautiful island, Martinique. Um, it's a little bit surprising, maybe. And then Costa Rica and Panama later, uh, you'll have some MLS players uh, in that one. Brandon Vasquez got the goal for the U.S. and the 1-1 draw for Jamaica. So right now, somebody's going to get really lucky because I'm going to give a pair of tickets away right now. And this is courtesy of John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. I'm giving a pair of tickets right now away to Manchester United against Real Madrid. It's July 26th at Energy Stadium in Houston. A lot of noise about these games and these big clubs coming overseas. Caller number six at 512-447-3776. That's 512-447-3776. Good luck. We'll take a break. Welcome back to Soccer Matters. Final segment of the night tonight here. It's a happy show because Austin FC winners this weekend over the Houston Dynamo 3-0. Presenting sponsor is John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's DaspitLaw.com. They are bilingual. You give them a call at 512-CALL-NOW. If you get in an accident, car, boat, motorcycle, maybe you work construction, you might drive an 18-wheeler. If you get in an accident, it's a nervy time, but you need the best in representation. The best in representation is Daspit Law, John Daspit, and the Daspit Law Firm. DaspitLaw.com, 512-CALL-NOW. Get a free consultation, 512-CALL-NOW. They are bilingual. Next guest, Verde Report, Austin Chronicle, frequent guest on the show, uh, doing a wonderful job covering Austin FC. He's Eric Goodman. Eric, what's happening? Hey, great stuff, Glenn. It's uh, just enjoying uh, some plus 110-plus uh, heat index here in uh, Austin. Well, uh, the heat is up and the heat had been on Austin, but now it's uh, two very good performances in a row. Nothing like uh, great uh, Copa Tejas rivals like FC Dallas and the Houston Dynamo to get you back on track. Yeah, especially, uh, um, I mean, not not as many excuses uh, in the Dynamo's camp. Obviously, Karaskia missing uh, that FC Dallas game. I mean, that was certainly not uh, Dallas at, at, at full capacity. But I mean, you know, you. You look just in into the performances that Austin's put together in the last couple of weeks, and, and you can't not be encouraged by by what you're seeing because it's a lot of the, the same things that were working when the club was firing on all cylinders in 2022. It's funny because I was looking at the two Wednesday games, and both teams had delays prior to this. Um, I, I felt the same way about FC Dallas as you did, that could this be a little bit deceptive? Let's see what they produce against the Dynamo. And in the case of the Houston Dynamo, it's like, look, you got to prove to us you can win on the road. Um, just because you won a game against LAFC, which is no mean feat on the road, uh, I don't think it's convinced the fan base yet that this team is ready to be a winner on the road. So going into the game, I, I thought it was very intriguing. But this really looks like the 
free flowing, the passing and moving, the uh, synchronized uh, Austin FC that we saw a lot of last year. And, you know, it really shouldn't come as, as that much of a surprise, in my opinion, because, you know, you look at when this club struggled, uh, you know, th early on and throughout the first half of the season, you know, they, they hardly ever had. And in fact, you could argue that, you know, if, if you follow Josh Wolf's line of thinking that uh, that um, Diego Fagundes did not come into the season uh, fit and, and kind of, you know, had, had to work his way into it, you, you can make the case that they have not had those two players uh, in terms of Fagundes and Sebastian Driussi healthy uh, until right now. And, and those two players are just so important to what this club does in the attacking third. Uh, they're creative. They create opportunities for others, as as you see now, Giazzi Zardes and Ethan Finley, um, you know, getting on the score sheet in back-to-back -back games. This is Austin, you know, when with their most important players available and playing well. And, and you're seeing that it really, you know, doesn't look all that different from, from what you saw last year. Yeah, no question. And I think those two, uh, they need each other in a lot of ways. Uh, Austin FC needs the movement of, of Fagundes to, to pull people off, to be an additional threat. I don't think there's any question him coming back. You know, to think, though, that it's taken a half a season for him to get fit, uh, something strange about that to me. Yeah, well, there was the injury, um, you know, and they certainly, you know, he he bears taking some criticism and, and he and he did take a lot of criticism from from in from inside about how he came into the into the season after signing uh, a new contract that I don't think Austin necessarily were, were were forced to give him. I don't think he was, you know, his contract hadn't expired, but they were reworked it uh, to double his salary. And he came into the season um, not in, in the kind of shape that they were expecting. Uh, and so his first few performances weren't up to par and then came uh, the adductor injury, knocked him out for, you know, a, a couple of months. And and, you know, you, you know how it works, Glenn. It, it's it takes a while to to really find, uh, you know, when you couple injuries plus just lack of fitness from 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 a health standpoint um, to, to be to play at your best. But it does look like, um, you know, his work rate's been off the charts the last two games. I think those concerns are gone. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that's very, very positive going on. And I think, you know, after the season that Austin FC had last year, which was a dream season, really, I, I mean, it was remarkable, some of the football that was played and everything that occurred. Uh, I, I do see I, I do think people can get content and, and I, I don't, um, you know, dispel that that notion may have occurred with some players on this team uh, as well. We're talking to Eric Goodman, uh, Verde Report, Austin Chronicle. Okay, so things are flowing in this one. ATX gets the first goal in the 22nd from Ethan Finley. Then Jazzy Zordis gets one. Julio Cascante. Um, for your money, pick your best three players out of this game against Houston. I think um, number one is Sebastian Driussi. And he he was, you know, he, he got the... The, the bang the drum at the end of the game is man of the match for a reason. I mean, he was involved um, in at least two of the goals, if, if not all three, if I'm not mistaken, um, with just providing great service. You're seeing a different side of, of Driussi at, you know, at the helm of this attack in the sense that last year he was the one scoring, scoring all the goals. It seemed um, this year he's doing a lot more providing and facilitating. Uh, and I, and I think that's, that's intentional. Um, I, I think that's, that was uh, how Austin viewed as a way to improve. Uh, coming into the season was to get your UC more involved, less as a finisher, more as a creator. Uh, so, so he played a great game. Um, certainly uh, Ethan Finley. I mean, just, you know, just being in the right place and, and forcing Josh Wolf to play him over Emiliano Rigoni, which maybe we'll get into has kind of been the one 
sour spot of all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, go with a, a goal scorer in Cascante, who more for what he's brought uh, defensively, um, defensively and transitioning, you know, that possession style that Austin plays transitioning from defense into attack i mean he is at the center of that and and it's it's probably his most underrated quality and the reason that he works so well in the system so good with his energy too i mean he's such a competitor game in and game out i mean this this guy's a fighter too i think that that was missing when he wasn't in the lineup due to injury uh as well um were you surprised that the houston dynamo came out and and really allowed uh, some time and space to austin fc to get their engines uh going here i was a bit surprised that the Dynamo was not more aggressive and didn't make a stand against these guys from the opening kickoff. It's true because you, you've seen now you have enough evidence to, that that teams that that do that can bother Austin and 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 disrupt what they're trying to do. And I mean, it was you know Houston had had some success early on. At the very least, they um they didn't they weren't making the same mistakes that Dallas had made just four days prior, which was. Um, you know, so I, I honestly was, I couldn't understand what was even being attempted defensively in terms of playing a high back line, but then not pressing uh, on, on the front side. So basically just confining, you know, playing passive defense, it, just with a back line that's leaving acres of space in behind, uh, which Austin took advantage of, um, Houston, I think, you know, they, they sat back to, to a reasonable level, but you know, a lot of the service was, was just of high enough quality uh, to, to get past the first man um, and and find a target on the end of it. It didn't look like uh, the Dynamo did not know what was coming. I spoke to Ben Olson during the week and, you know, very concerned about the volume of crosses that Austin gets, the overloads out wide, the two outside backs getting forward, um, you know, a, a healthier Fagundes and, and, and Driussi. I mean, I don't think it's anything they didn't expect. I would have thought that they would have put a little bit more, not to be second guessing everybody, but I would have thought uh, for me, you, you have to, you have to make a stand against Austin FC. If you're, if you're going to sit back, it, it's, it's almost inevitable that it's going to come. It didn't the 22nd. It didn't the 32nd. Did you feel like the game was over at that point to a degree? Yeah. Yeah. It, it I mean, and so, part of that is the feeling that, you know, kind of was surrounding this team coming after that off of that Dallas match. And, and this has been the case since day one with Austin, you know, if they can bag two girls, two goals early, uh, more are typically on the way. That hasn't been the case this season. In fact, you know, they had this these past two games were the first time they scored three goals in, in any game so far this season. Um, but, you know, this is there. You know, the Verde train is tough to derail once it gets chugging. And so it really is um, teams that come into Q, Q2 Stadium have to press, have to have to outwork Austin and and create some opportunities and and. The one thing that is remains the case in terms of a weak spot for Austin, and I don't know if it's going to change anytime soon, is that back line is just in so much flux, um, you know, with a lot of young, inexperienced players playing in front of it as well as as in it. And you got to attack that if you're a team like Houston expecting to get a result at Q2 Stadium. Were you surprised that Danny Pereira and, and Owen Wolf? It was kind of it was kind of youth ex- against experience against Hector Herrera and Artur and and. In the end, I, I think Austin FC won the midfield. Yeah, I mean, there there was one brutal moment for Danny Pereira in which, um, I mean, Hector Herrera is just, just dancing beautifully, you know, with the ball at his feet in the box. And Pereira goes sliding left and then slides right and then slides left again and, and whiffs all three times. And, and I think that was kind of the 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 grow up, you know, welcome to the big leagues moment for for a player that that, you know, has been here now for three years, but is still a young player. 
uh, but but can can completely hold his own um, and and was able to do enough to bother uh, Herrera and the, and the rest of the Houston midfield. Um, and and that is when I, that's why he's been playing the most minutes of any outfield player uh, is because first of all he's young he can handle the workload and he just he frees so much up when when he can uh, be a factor in disrupting the opposing team's midfield. Eric Goodman joining us, Faraday Report, Austin Chronicle. Um, Hector's done that to a few people this year, and he's really been in good form, uh, especially at home in Houston. But he has been a lot of fun to watch, Hector Herrera, orchestrating um, the Houston Dynamo in a variety of ways. I mean, not just from a footballing standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint. But but this game in Austin really was all Austin FC. It just reminded me a lot of last year. So a couple of weeks ago, everybody wants Josh Wolf. Uh, hashtag out and all this. Um, and now I w- I'm assuming everybody loves him in Austin now. I'm not so sure about that, Glenn, because you got there, there seems to be a, just a huge segment of this fan base. Um, and, you know, not too dissimilar, I find, with, uh, you know, U.S. national team fans. That just, yeah, exactly. It's just it's just not the right personality that they want to see leading a club. Um, and, you know, there, there are times when tactically, you know, obviously you you can question, you know, how Austin is played. There was a lot. There were a lot of games where it just, you know, it it was unclear what even the the objective was, and and a lot of, you know, just, you know, well, uh, the complaint was aimless crossing, and and Josh even kind of threw a little, uh, you know, dig back at that, I mean, taking his own, you know, little victory lap, saying that, you know, he was the cross has paid off in, in terms of three straight, three consecutive headed goals against Houston. Um, listen. The, the role that Josh Wolf has in this club goes beyond just managing the club on a week to week basis. I mean, he he was in, integral in building in, in a literal way, literally helped them build the training facility, obviously, to, you know, was was plugged in with, um, you know, creating the inaugural roster. And right now he's got he shares sporting director responsibilities with Sean Rubio. So this is not the, it. I can't I don't even take seriously any calls for a midseason change in manager just because of those all of those factors that you'd be losing listen if it if if they can't turn this around it gets to the end of the season and and things the direction looks really wayward then maybe you can have that conversation but right now he's austin's manager yeah not too many people are fired for aimless crosses um there's got to be a little bit more substance than that right right i i I think and it looks as though he's got a team playing for him right now that's also the beauty of major league soccer you and i have talked about it a lot you don't have to solve your problems right away. And Gareth Bale just came out with the comment, well, people don't, you know, losing isn't that big a deal. And of course, he compares it to Real Madrid, where you've got the scrutiny and the intensity of, of press and fans and people come outside your house if you're not playing well, which is a, a, a totally different level. But I do think subconsciously it is easier. I don't I'm not saying people do it on purpose, but it is easier to brush off losses in a league where you're really in the playoff hunt until the last couple of weeks of the season, you know? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the, the, the thing that couples with that is that the, the gulf between the really, really good teams in MLS and the really, really bad teams is relatively speaking, not that large. I mean, oh. it really doesn't take much in terms of maybe getting one or two players healthy um, or one or two players in form. And you can go from a team that, that is struggling mightily like Austin were to, to a team that now, you know, looks like world beaters. I mean, that's just the nature of this league. Um, you know, people have different views on whether that's, you know, a plus in terms of the parity and the competitiveness or or if it kind of detracts from uh, drawing popularity. I, I 
I personally tend to fall in the, the latter camp. I'm a believer in the super team uh, concept and, and the mm -hmm. big club concept, but um, you know, that's, that's, that's the reality right now. And it, it's, it works in the benefit of a team like Austin that tries to make a late season run. Talking to Eric Goodman, Verde Report, the Austin Chronicle, uh, joins us a lot on these shows. Uh, and we really do appreciate you coming on, Eric. We do appreciate your time as well. And uh, also your writing. Remind people where they can get your writing. Sure. So we've got, um, it's in the Austin Chronicle every week um, as, as under the label, the Verde Report. And then there's a newsletter as well. If you go to austinchronicle.com, um, go to their newsletter page. Uh, you can get it uh, right sent to your inbox for game recaps and columns. All right. So our so to our point, Miami's on 15 points. They're 11 out of a ninth place playoff spot. They're in last in the East. Uh, and Toronto just fired Bob Bradley. And then in the Western Conference, Colorado's on 14. Which surprised me, by the way. I don't know if we'll get yeah. into but that. that I, I was surprised to see that personally. I think a lot of people would be just because who Bob Bradley is, right? And and the the salary that that I remember from when he was hired, I I believe it was the highest paid coach in MLS, and and to not give him you know at, at anywhere near enough time to really change things there, but it's a player driven sport as you know. Well, and it's you know we're also seeing a little bit more of this where where coaches are fired a little bit earlier as opposed to you know I remember Ben Ben Olson had a ten year run at DC. I mean that's almost unheard of, right? Yeah, those those days. I mean, we'll see with with an owner like Anthony Prigott that seems to be you know on the patient side. Um, you know, losing only losing Greg Berhalter, his last you know coach to be, to getting hired with the national team. You know, maybe Austin will be the exception to that. But I do, yeah, it is certainly a trend. All right, Eric Goodman joining us here. Um, next up, uh, Austin FC. Uh, where are they going now? Uh, so to the to the messy list. Uh, Fort Lauderdale yeah, Inter -Miami, that's right. against uh, Inter Miami, Messi-less and Sergio Busquets-less. So this has got to, this is three points or bust for Austin. This is where you show that you can take your show on the road. It's not a team that you expect is going to, um, you know, come at you with, with, with stuff you can't handle. Um, and, and Austin's obviously in the much better form, you know, coming off of this, this six point week. So uh, this is the start of three straight road games that they've got to, uh, they've got to prove that, that this is who they are. Eric Goodman joining us, Soccer Matters ESPN uh, in Austin on the horn here. And, of course, uh, it's always presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. All right, so going into that game, um, give us a couple of key points you're thinking. I mean, obviously, the consistency, you want to keep things rolling. You want to see the the wonderful football, the patterns of play, the structure of the team, all those wonderful things that we talk about. But any other little wrinkles to this? And, and let me lead you into one at first. Does this team need a primary goal scorer? Do you think Jazzy's artist will be that guy? I know he's picked off a few lately. Uh, Maxi Arudi, where do you see him right now? So just take me into the striker position and and what you're seeing out of that position right now. I think I see a version of Jazzy's artist that looks a lot more comfortable. Um, and and as as we've mentioned, you know, Austin's, you know, the the injuries have kind of just been random and, and fluid throughout the season so for for a player coming into a new squad you know trying to build up chemistry with a Diego Fagundes or a Sebastian Driussi um I think it's it, it it's understandable why that took some time but it seems it certainly seems like Giazzi Zardes is first of all his work rate has been off the charts um you know tracking back and, and making you know key tackles uh you know on the other side of the field as well as um as well as well as being dangerous in the box so I think right now Giazzi Zardes is a pretty firm hold on 
that position. And and Glenn, if we're being honest, you know, Austin did not have a primary goal scorer a, a season ago and we're still able to make a deep run. So I think the system works without, you know, necessarily a 20 goal per season striker. I mean, you do have you do have a player that can give you that in Sebastian Drusi from a different position. Uh, but in terms of uh, another key to this one, you know, that center back position is is in more question than ever because um, Alexander Radovanovich, his loan is expired now and he's returning back to, to Serbia, his home club which means, I mean, it's Cascante. And then, you know, Kip Keller got, got minutes in, in these pa- over, over this past week. So I think we might be looking at uh, his return to the starting lineup. Uh, and, and that would certainly be, you know, an area of interest uh, for yeah, Austin. Put, you would put a circle around that one. That's for yeah. sure. Um, but can they do business in this uh, transfer market and find another uh, center back? That's, yeah, that certainly seems to be the priority. I, I mean, Josh, Josh kind of teased it. Yep. They're looking both, you know, inside the league and outside. And, and it, they, I mean, they're just in need of warm bodies. I'm, I'm, you know, as an interesting kind of side angle to this, obviously Alex Ring has has come in and, and been a, a stopgap and at times a really, really effective one at center back. You know, he's dealing with uh, an injury that they haven't put a timetable on. You know, we, he, he, they haven't made him available for, for media at all this season. You know, part of that was, you know, he lost the captaincy and, and you know they 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 never are gonna you know they, they're gonna keep all of that under the rug as 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 much as they can. I I'm fascinated to see where this plays out with Alex Ring and he and and is he someone that that they're going to be shopping around to other clubs uh, in this in this summer transfer window in terms of an outgoing player. And then you would just need uh, even more. Uh, you need to you need to bolster that back line even more with with new additions and new signings right now. Yeah, that is an interesting one because he didn't look content. He didn't look happy, at least from afar. And that could be wrong, but he didn't look uh, particularly happy in the center back role. Uh, Eric, as always, thank you so much for coming on the show. Next up for Austin FC is Inter Miami. We look forward to your reporting. Thank you for coming on as always. Yeah, anytime, Glenn. Talk to you soon. All right, Eric Goodman there. Great stuff there from him. Verde Report, Austin Chronicle. Suggest you follow him and read his writings. He's uh, doing really diligent work covering MLS in Austin and around the league. That does it tonight for Soccer Matters here on the Horn in Austin, Texas. Uh, presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. It's daspitlaw.com. 512-CALL-NOW. They are bilingual. You get in a car, boat, motorcycle accident. It is John and his firm that you want. They are the best. They will fight for your right for compensation 24-7. Don't forget, lamontbrands.com for your Soccer Matters t-shirts, trucker hats, proceeds to the 501C charity Snowdrop Foundation, which just dropped about a quarter million in scholarships to pediatric cancer patients. So really, really good stuff there. Sign up for the podcast to this show, Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you subscribe. And until next Monday night, remember, Soccer Matters.